morning, and welcome to episode 403 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. Uh, I'm Sam Miller. I'm here with Ben Lindbergh. We continue to do our tour of the Major League Baseball teams. Today we're talking about the Rangers. In about 20 minutes, Nick will be talking to Jeff Wilson, who covers the Rangers for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. But we are honored to be talking to Lana Berry, who is well-known throughout Twitter for being on Twitter. Uh, and uh, for what you were like one of the hundred must-follow Twitter accounts, according to Sports Illustrated, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, you, it was you and 99 athletes who I would never follow in a million years, if I'm correct. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, so quite an honor, and um, we're glad to have you here. You wrote the wonderful essay about the Rangers for the Baseball Prospectus Annual, and um, I wanted to ask you something. It seems like every team has some controversy that um, that seems kind of insane and silly and paints everybody in a kind of bad light, and I always assume that that controversy is, uh, has reached me because uh, it's sort of easy to write from an, for national writers to kind of mock and make fun of, but that it probably doesn't have a lot of relevance to the local market. I, I sort of feel like Joey Votto not swinging enough feels like one of these sorts of things for the Reds, and you know every team's got one of these. And with the Rangers, there are two, and so I want to ask you about both of them to find out how big a deal they are in Texas. One is the idea that John Daniels and Nolan Ryan um, were like uh, like two polar opposites, and only one could have ultimate power, and only one could get credit for the Rangers' success over the last few years, and that John Daniels ultimately won that. And so uh, now Nolan Ryan, you know, now if Nolan Ryan was was responsible for all that great success, as some people believe, now the Rangers are doomed. Is there is that something that people actually talk about, or is that something that only bloggers? Who need to aggregate a lot of news talk about it's really something people talk about sorry I'm kind of hoarse um, it's really interesting there's a lot of Rangers fans that really believe Nolan Ryan is responsible for everything good about the Rangers like they're they were completely heartbroken upset that Nolan left because they think that John Daniels didn't do any of it it's a really bizarre thing. It's just it's really just a lack of knowledge on their part of their roles in the team and um kind of how Nolan was portrayed in the media here in Texas as kind of like the savior of the Rangers when they were in bankruptcy. He kind of took them out and kind of he gave them that publicity, but it's it's really interesting to see um I think it's more on the side of not really the people that are the internet rangers fans it's more the people that are, are don't know exactly what jd does i think it's a really um it is really talked about here why do you think um what is was nolan just too sexy a topic for the media not to give him all the credit up front is that is that where this came from is basically just when the rangers started to turn things around it's just such a good topic to, to, to write the Nolan Ryan, you know, sort of hometown hero saved the franchise narrative. Yeah, it's completely that. And it's everyone there 
worshipped him. And not only that, but he remained a public figure for them. He was in the front row at all the games. They always interviewed him. The Rangers didn't really have that face, like a franchise guy, to kind of put that behind. And so that kind of became Nolan Ryan. And so as soon as he left, a lot of people are now thinking that that's all kind of kind of crumble without realizing the infrastructure that John Daniels put in that Nolan didn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not you're not gloomy about this. You you think that basically the decision makers are still are still there. Yeah, and I don't think they would have made that decision or that they would have let, let Nolan leave essentially if it was a different case. Like I think that they 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 know and they know that JD will help the team more than Nolan will. I don't know. I think it kind of got blown out of proportion, the whole JD versus Nolan thing. But regardless if they did butt heads, it's JD's team. Mm -hmm. It's not, Nolan didn't, Nolan maybe got the, I think like his biggest contribution, if you want to call it that, to the team was when he forced the Rangers to get Roy Oswalt. So that's pretty much, if you want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so the other, and the other controversy that, that jumps out is this idea that you um, Darvish, who, who finished second in the American League in Cy Young voting last year, is nonetheless somehow flawed um, because of uh, he loses too many one-to-nothing games. And this was one of the focuses of your essay. Um, do people really say that, or was this one column that, that one person wrote and was easy to fisk? Uh, I think it was kind of... People do talk about it, but it wasn't... I think more people talked about it being ridiculous because of this one column, and then, of course, there are the people that believe it because it's put out there in the press. But there were, there were a, several people talking about you, Darvish being an ace or not maybe he's not an ace because he can't win these games which is the whole same stupid thing with like is joe flacco elite you know it's a pointless conversation to begin with but it's the whole not keeping in mind that you have to have at least a little bit of run support even if you're the greatest pitcher in the planet you have to at least get a run or two does uh, Nolan Ryan's uh, real real pitchers, real men throw lots of innings philosophy leave with him? Or was that ever even really implemented while he was there? Uh, I think it was implemented to a point. I, I don't... I, I hope that they'll kind of lighten up on that now just because the heat here is so bad in the summer. I think it wears pit- on pitchers a little more. I mean, obviously, wears on pitchers a little more, and they need to be more conscious of that, as opposed to pitching in different climates, just because it's it it's too much. And I know that some pitchers like you will really want to pitch more innings. So I'm interested to see what how they handle that. I don't think it was really um, a day to day like constant thing that Nolan implemented that, mm-hmm. but I did. I could see kind of resemblances of that on occasion uh-huh. and speaking of of local columns that seemed kind of crazy i remember one uh and i don't remember who wrote it but it was sort of it was sort of like a drix and profar is a bust article or at least mm. scouts have soured on drix and profar something like that uh maybe like 300 plate appearances into his career which which seemed premature 
but uh, at the same time, was it was it a bit of a letdown that you didn't get kind of that immediate breakout that a lot of teams have been spoiled by with their top prospects recently, and and he actually did have some adjustments and growing a growing pains period. It wasn't for me. I think it was for a lot of people, but it's it's kind of an interesting situation since they have. Elvis at shortstop and they're kind of having to just fit Profar in instead of letting him develop a little more in triple a they're putting him in the major leagues and they're trying to get him time so he's not just sitting on the bench and when you have an amazing shortstop you can't really put him there so they're just kind of fitting him in different spots and he's this really young kid and it's it's a challenge for him and people forget how young he is and how even the greatest players need time to work on it and develop, and it's hard to develop when you're moving him to like the outfield, <laughs> uh, and then back to second base. So it'll be good this year since they have him at second to just kind of have one spot and see how that goes. Yeah, was there a sense that that logjam just had to be broken at some point this winter? That that if they kept kind of shuffling him around or keeping him in a part-time role, that that it would eventually start to affect his development. I think so, and I think it was a really I'm that the whole Kinsler thing, which was last year. They asked Kinsler to move to first base, and he said no. And so they were really trying to figure that out without having to trade him. And I almost think I'm not sure if they should have just kept him in AAA. And then now this year, it's I think it'll be really helpful in that development. I think if they if they kept doing it the other way, it can like just completely screw him up where he's not developing correctly and then his trade value drops if they you know if they can't get rid of the log jam just you can't just keep acquiring middle infielders forever you kind of have to figure out what to do with them and so it was really it was a really really weird thing last year with that because everybody wanted to see him play and wanted to see him play well and it was upsetting for a lot of people to see kind of that happened especially since Kinsler kind of had a down year so um right Lone Star Ball just um is is doing their community projections for Jerickson profile right now as we speak they just posted this the the, the the call so what is your projection for him in in 2014 what did what did he say did he say anything good are you looking at it now uh has not he is not he's not weighed in yet he is soliciting at this point Oh, I'm not even sure. I haven't put, I haven't really gotten to think about that too much lately. Um, right now, I'm kind of like leaning on the, I don't want to say, I don't want to be a negative person, but I don't want to over, like, just make my expectations too high, <laughs> essentially. He's moving to a new position than what he was doing before. Uh-huh. And so, you know, he's doing second base, he's not shortstop. I think he'll produce well, really well offensively, because he'll be a regular. And I'm not sure. I think let I me, w- <laughs> let me refresh. Let me let me let me save you from this. But and because you, do, I mean, it's hard to project. It's, it's hard, hard to, predict. to predict. We we hate Ben and I would never predict a Jerickson Brovar line. So it was kind of cruel for me to make you to make you do it. You're but, a terrible uh, person. 
Yeah, so let me re- let me let me spin this in another direction. We're talking to you fairly early in this process because um, the Rangers don't have a particular. You you might not be aware, but we're starting with the worst team and going up to the best team um, by Pakoda projections. And the Rangers are projected to win 84 games, which I would imagine strikes some people as a little low. And the pri- really the, sort of the, the primary reason is that the offense does not project to be particularly good. Uh, basically the same as that of the Mariners this year. And um, so it's a two-part question about that. One, is Profar part of the problem, or do you think that Profar is going to be, um, you know, a good enough hitter that he raises the lineup's uh, profile? And uh, number two, or letter B, I I forget which which format I started with, um, why why is this lineup projected to be worse than the sort of general... Um, impression of the Rangers as a slugging, uh, awesome slugging team, especially because they added Shinsu Chu. That is and Prince Fielder. Who and Prince Fielder. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I think Profar... Profar is a great offensive player. And I think he he might be down-projected just because he had a down year. I think he'll do much better this year. So I think he will improve that for sure. Um, I, I it'll be interesting to see with the addition of Chu and Fielder how that will play out. I think they'll be great. I'm surprised that that is so low for the offense. <laughs> Celestia was not a great hitting team, and I don't know that everyone noticed because what with the ballpark, it's it's kind of easy to just let your let your impression be swayed by that. Whereas if you adjust for the park, they came out as just kind of a middle of the pack. AL offensive team, just sort of around league average, because um, they they had I guess more more obvious holes last year that they seem to address to some extent this year. Yes, and that was it was last year was kind of a weird year, um, you know, getting rid of some of their power bats and um, they were just and they didn't really acquire people. They were just kind of working with the system and trying to put people in spots and see how it played out. And it, it was okay, but it wasn't, you know, the Josh Hamilton, Beltre, Cruz, like the, that, those three back-to-back-to-back in the lineup that was so deadly before, which, of course, if they had kept Hamilton, it might not have been that anyway. <laughs> but it, there was, it was definitely lacking that kind of, oh, crap, we have to play this team that's so great offensively. They just kind of made it work with more of a small ball team last year. And um, I, I, don't, I don't like to over-project when a team signs stars because a lot of times they underproduce but, um, or acquire stars. But I think with the, with the ballpark that they've got, the addition of two and fielder should be pretty great. And we've got Profar, who is generally known more for his offense than his defense, and he's a switch hitter, which is great. And I, th- I think they'll produce more than they're projected. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, uh, Elvis Sanders was, was signed to that big extension, and, and he got that big deal without really ever having a, a huge breakout star season. Uh, according to, to BP's metrics, he was just kind of a two to three and a half win player before he signed that extension. And then last year he had 
his worst offensive season in a few years, but was still just kind of a two, two and a half win guy. Um, if that's kind of just what he does every year and he never really, never really breaks out, but just has sort of a, a steady, you know, two, three win production every year, good defense, uh, you know, not puts the ball in play, that sort of thing. Is that fine or is his deal going to look like an overpay or, or will he be a disappointment? The thing with Elvis is he's such a star defensively and he's great on the bases. So he's not necessarily going to hit home runs and he kind of like, he just kind of had bad hitting luck last year, just kind of went right to the fielders every time. And it was just, it just was kind of a kind of a shit deal for him, but he's a, he's an amazing player on the field and I think that unless Profar or, or Odor or something, they, they come up and they're, they become amazing defensive players, they'll keep Elvis. Because mm-hmm. they want him there. He's an amazing shortstop. And if they can just put, keep all the great offensive players around him, I think the deal's fine. All right, so I want to ask uh, about one more player. Um, so Mitch Moreland is a guy who the Rangers... Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't really, I mean, you know, you read a lot more about them. But he's been a guy the Rangers have backed for many years, given him a lot of chances, have seemed to like. It. When they had him and Davis and Smoke all at once, they, um, you know, made the choice that Moreland was their guy. And he's still in the lineup. He's still the DH. Um, but does the Prince Fielder trade say anything about uh, his future with the team and whether they've kind of reassessed what he realistically is should we reassess what he realistically is yeah he's a bench player he shouldn't have been first base i think they made a mistake and they realized it and i think last season they weren't really sure what to do and then they kind of ended up just kind of having to go with it and the thing with with mitch moreland is he'll get hot and he'll get good offensively and so i think it kind of messes with them a little bit but he's not he's a bench player. And that's I think I'm glad they got a different first baseman. And I wish they'd done it sooner. And I'm still bitter about the Chris Davis thing, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a guy who got a couple of extra chances that he maybe shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And what is the the back of this team's rotation going to look like, would you say? <laughs> for for most of this season is is Tommy Hansen gonna be a thing in like August? I I don't know. Like this that's this is my biggest concern is the rotation. I have no idea what's it's so there's so many question marks with so many of the guys. It's you know Derek Collins messed up right now, and Colby Lewis is whatever, and Matt Harrison is who knows, and it's I really don't know. I'm just putting all my faith and hope in Darvish right now. You know that he can only pitch like one out of every five games or so, right? That's what I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> unfortunate. <laughs> it is. Um, so uh, the the Rangers, again, ranked pretty well on all of our, our young player rankings at BP. They were, they were ninth. In, in the farm rankings, but Jason mentioned that they could be a top five team next year. 
Uh, they were, I think, maybe seventh or so in our 25 and under talent rankings. Um, to what do you attribute that? Is it is it their international signings? Is it just good scouting? Is it stats? Is it luck? What what is it that they are? How are how have they been able to keep that pipeline flowing? They're just making really smart decisions, and that's where I don't understand the whole people siding with Nolan over JD because this is what JD has done. He's built their farm system up, and they're not like when everyone was saying they should trade Profar because they had Elvis at shortstop, they didn't. And they're keeping guys and they're developing them. And it's just a lot of smart decisions on all fronts. They're not closed off to stats. They're not closed off to the international scouting. They're getting guys from everywhere. And they're just, it's, I've been really impressed because it wasn't that great before. And it's um, really pretty much bits and pieces of everything that you just mentioned and just being smart about it. There are a lot of guys running teams, I won't name names, <laughs> who are really stupid with their farm systems. They act like it's not that important to them or that it's not going to help them run their team. And that's where, like last year, when the Rangers didn't really acquire guys and they just kind of used guys from the system and it, it they you know didn't go to the playoffs or anything, but they did okay. They did well. And um, it's they just have the right guys in place for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kinsler's recent comments about uh, Daniels being a sleazeball and being bitter about about the Rangers and how his his time there ended. Is he kind of out at, on an island with that or has there been any trend in in former Rangers saying negative things about the team? Is it is is there some aspect of Daniels style that that rubs some people the wrong way? I would say there's a trend if you want to include Josh Hamilton. Uh-huh. But I don't think I obviously can't speak for the players. I don't I haven't heard that or seen that otherwise. I think it's just Kinsler was on the team for so long and so he was a Nolan guy. Like he thought it was that mindset that some of these fans have that Nolan is the guy and I think maybe he just had a different understanding of the whole situation and he felt like he got screwed because Nolan left and this happened. And I think it's, I, I think he misunderstood the situation and it's kind of, I don't even, I wouldn't put it in the same realm as Josh Hamilton because I almost think it was, it was a complete, it was obviously a different situation, but it's, when guys feel like they're getting screwed over, they tend to misplace the blame. Mm-hmm. Feel free to speak for the players, by the way, because they're not they're not listening to us. Um, uh, so last thing, I, I normally really hate when people do questions where they just say, talk about something, and then they let the person talk about that thing. Um, <laughs> but talk about Adrian Beltre. I love Adrian Beltre. I love him. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> um, he carried the team last year. I I know he's he was kind of hurt the last part of last year, and as he's getting older, I'm a little concerned about it. But he's such a great all around player, and that's whenever I heard whenever I heard Kinsler talking about how they were forcing him to be the team leader, it was pretty clear that Beltre was the team leader last year. He was. 
He was. He, you would always see him in the dugout talking to the guys, like yelling at them if they were messing up and telling. And you could see him showing him different things. He's amazing defensively, amazing offensively. I remember when they first signed him, and everyone wasn't sure if it was if he was overpaid. And I I think it's probably the best decision they've made. <laughs> but he's he's great, and I I love. Everyone loves the Beltre Elvis duo. Mm-hmm. All right, so we make people predict uh, how many wins they're, the team they're talking about is going to win. So um, we need to know how many wins the Rangers are going to win. Uh, why don't you tell us now? They'll win at least ninety. Um, and Not at specific most, enough. At most, a hundred and forty. <laughs> well, I don't want to like put a ceiling on it because they could always, you know, win all of them. You don't know. Kinsler said, you know, zero and one sixty-two, which is impossible because, as I've said on Twitter, they're in the same division as the Astros, and so they couldn't even do it if they tried, which would be funny to watch, actually. But you know, I think they'll, they'll win at least ninety. I don't know. This is we have not let anyone get away with this <laughs> so far. We, yeah. I think, I do, I do think we're going to need a second digit in that do number. Ninety-four. Okay, that is a second digit. All right, uh, Lana, thank you very much uh, for being here. Thank you for uh, writing the essay. Up next, Nick will be talking to Jeff Wilson uh, of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And please uh, support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Use the coupon code BP uh, for a $6 discount on a one-year subscription. And if you are not already following Lana on Twitter, like the rest of the world is, you should you should do that at Lana. Uh, so thanks, Lana. Thanks. All right, and Nick's up next. Welcome to Drop Third Strike. I'm Nick Wheatley Schaller, and I'll be interviewing beat writers, columnists, and broadcasters from around the country, getting their perspective on the teams they cover. I'm speaking with Jeff Wilson from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. How's it going, Jeff? Yeah, it's going pretty good. I got uh, finally got out to spring training. I've been kind of nursing a back injury, so I'm glad to glad to get out of here finally. Yeah, I hope you're feeling all right. I'm I'm doing well. It was a little disectomy, same same injury as Matt Harrison. So yeah. uh, hopefully, I don't have to have surgery twice like he did. Yeah, hopefully, you don't have to throw a hundred pitches in a game this year either. <laughs> so the Rangers are really in trouble. <laughs> Definitely. So last year, the Rangers had a bit of a roller coaster of a September. They went 3-13 and from September 1st to the 18th, then went on a 2-2 two and two stretch from the 19th to the 22nd, then finished out their season by winning seven games in a row before losing their last game. That final loss prevented them from a chance to make the playoffs. How did that month impact this team, and how will it affect their approach in 2014? Well, it was the second straight year they kind of faded in September, and so there are a lot of questions about... Uh, uh, Ron Washington, which I think are pretty unfair. Uh, and I think it really put a focus on the offense. And so that's what the Rangers attacked in the offseason. You, know, you saw them trade for Prince Fielder, signed Shinsu Chu. Uh, they didn't do much at catcher. I guess they didn't like the market. I guess they didn't want maybe Brzezinski back at, at the dollars he wanted to, uh, to, to, to receive. But, you know, the, the, the focus was definitely offense. And I think that they've, uh, they've upgraded there for sure. They, they, you mentioned them signing Chu to a seven-year, $130 million contract. He's been a productive player since 2008. He had an oblique strain that limited his playing time in, 20, in 2011. 
However, seven years is definitely quite a commitment to give to any 31-year-old. How good of a season must Chu have this year and in the next couple of years to justify those later years of the contract? You know, the contract really surprised me because uh, John Daniels uh, and maybe was Nolan Ryan's influence didn't really want to stretch out to a contract that big. Mm-hmm. And not only did they get Chu's for seven years, but they picked up the last seven years of Prince Fielder's contract. Yeah. But, you know, the the thing with Chu is he, he has to get on base. That's why they got him. I mean, they didn't get him for his defense, which is pretty spotty despite a pretty good arm. And, you know, his power, he hit 20 home runs in a pretty favorable hitter's park last year. So uh, he's got the pop, but he's got to get on base. The Rangers haven't had that. Uh, even, you know, with Ian Kinsler, it was, it was pretty inconsistent. Uh, Kinsler's not terrible at getting on base, three, 350, 340, 360. But, shoot, shoot, last year was over 400. Yeah. The last two years he's been right around 400. So that's that's just such a huge difference, and, and the Rangers haven't had that for a long time. It'll be interesting to see how his defense plays in left. He had tried out some center field um, last year in Cincinnati. That didn't go too poorly. Again, with that arm, he's been more of a right fielder in the past. How do you think that defense will play out in left? Well, it's a pretty pretty sizable left field in, in Arlington. You know, they they have that, that kind of, what, 15-foot wall out there. Mm-hmm. Um but it goes from three three thirty five or three forty to to four hundred pretty quick, and so there's a lot of ground to cover now. That Leonis Martin is, is decent out there. Another guy with a big arm, but the key is is, is just seeing, I guess, two getting getting used to the the, the ballpark. But uh, those two communicating because there were some times last year when Leonis Martin didn't communicate well with outfielders. Mm. There are some issues there. Prince Fielder was their other big acquisition. He had a down year last year, which was his the second year of that big contract with the Tigers. Um, this offseason, traded to Texas. Um, his powers was, was down last year. He dealt with some personal issues. His walk rate has also decreased each year since 2010. Pitchers have begun to throw him more pitches in the zone. Um, what kind of players do they think they have? What kind of player do the, do the Rangers think they have in Fielder? And what can, they, what can he do to get back to peak form? I think the Rangers are looking at him as such a significant upgrade over what they've had at mm, first base, yeah. really, since they traded Mark Teixeira. They, you know, they had Chris Shelton play there. They had, you know, Ben Broussard was their opening day first baseman in 2008. You know, they had Chris Davis, and obviously, you know, that that didn't work out, and it's worked out beautiful for the Orioles. But the guy who, who I don't know if you want to say pushed Davis out was Mitch Moreland, and he just hasn't he just hasn't produced like he's supposed to. He had 23 homers last year, but really. After after June first, he was probably the worst first baseman offensively in the league. So, you know, Fielder's definitely going to upgrade there. They, they really like him in that short that porch in, in right field. They think his power is going to play really well there. And they think you know, last year putting that behind him, whether it was uh, playing in Comerica, which actually was pretty favorable to right field last year, or the the, the personal issues, he just wasn't wasn't himself they think that a fresh start could could help him out and so they, they're, they're very optimistic they're putting going to put him in the three hole you know they that means he's going to get one extra bad a game mm-hmm. so they're 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 looking for him to to really put production at a spot that they haven't had production since 2007 does mitch moreland have a good shot of holding down that dh spot um after moving off first base you know, I, I think he's going to probably platoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still haven't found his partner yet. I think it would, it could really be Mike's choice. He's had a decent spring so far, 
I think it could be Robinson Chirinos. He's a guy who, <clears throat> who played really well in the winter in Venezuela. And he's a guy who's very versatile. He can play both corner and field spots, and he can catch. And if Giovanni Soto is still a little bit slowed by the surgery he had early in spring camp, you could see Chirinos make the roster and get some DH at bats against left-handers. So uh, Moreland, though, still believes he can hit lefties. It's just, it, just hasn't, it just hasn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerkson Profar will step into the starting spot at second now that Ian Kinsler is in Detroit. He came up as, as a shortstop, but is obviously blo- blocked by Elvis Andrews. Um, how much did the need to see Profar in a full-time role contribute to the Kinsler trade, and what do the Rangers want to see him accomplish this year? It, it's, it's pretty interesting, the, the whole Kinsler-Profar-Andrews uh, triangle, mm-hmm. I guess, that they had last year. And and really, I think everybody thought that Andrews was going to be the guy that could Got to push yeah. that just because, like you said, Profar came up as a shortstop, and uh, then right at right the first day of the the dang season, uh, and Andrews agrees to an extension. So that 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 instantly kind of put put Kinsler uh, his future in question. You know, moving the first base, maybe he was against that. Uh, you know, he came out recently with those those remarks that, that he really didn't want to you know, be a leader and help help young players, which I I can't believe he said because I, I saw him talk to young players, but. Uh, it is really kind of disappointing, I think, for, for Rangers people to hear Kinsler's comments. But yeah, that very well could have been part of what, what led the Rangers to, to want to, to trade a guy like Kinsler. Uh, that maybe they saw that he wasn't the leader that they thought he was. And maybe they, they didn't think he was a great influence on, on young players. And Profar, they still think the sky's the limit. You know, they, they think he's an all-star caliber player. I think that has to, yet to be seen. He's got to, he's got to prove that he can hit from both sides of the plate. Uh, but he does have the instincts, and he's having a good spring so far. And I think getting the regular at-bats instead of playing four days a week or five days a week and, and having to move all over to different positions is going is gonna to help the kid because he, he knows that he's going to be the second baseman. He's going to be in the lineup every day, and he just has to go and perform. And, and I think uh, you know he's performed at every level. And he, you know, he really didn't get to play much at AAA, but it, it, it just seems like he, he could really be a breakout player for them this year. And you know, when you look at the lineup after after Beltre, you have Rios, he's proven. But then are you going to have the, the catcher spot at Moreland? Well, you know, Martinez is still a young player. Profar's going to bat eighth. And uh, to, to shore up that last half of the lineup, they really need Profar to be a quality player. You know, I think they'd take 280 and 12 homers. I think that would be a good season for, for Profar. After signing that big extension last spring, Andrews got um, off to a slow start at the plate. He ended up being much better in the second half. 14 of his 25 extra base hits, and all four of his homers came in the second half, despite having 126 fewer plate appearances compared to the first half. What was he doing differently in the second half that led to such a big transformation, and did that contribute to their eagerness to trade Kinsler this offseason? Well, I, I think the Rangers think that Andrus really is what he is on offense. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that they're looking for him to, to suddenly become a guy who can hit 15 home runs. I think... They want him to do things, uh, the right things, as Ron Watch just says, to do the games that ask him to do, whether it's bunt or hit behind a runner or hit and run. He's their favorite hit and run guy. So I, I think they're happy with him if he hits five to seven home runs or, or does exactly what he did last year with his final numbers. But, yeah, the second half, he, he didn't really change his, his mechanics or his swing much, but he started uh, using his hands more. And he also started to, to drive the ball a little more. I mean, he, he was uh, really, like you said, the numbers show he was a flat hitter. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. just wasn't driving the yeah. ball in the first half. And 
and uh, it, it's kind of strange because he's been a guy who has started okay in, in it throughout his career, and um, the way he rallied in the second half, I know gave him a boost. He he was, you know, one of their their best players uh, in that offense that was just sputtering and sputtering. It was him and Rios and Ridley at the end, even Craig Gentry who they traded away. So. Uh, he, he, he's going to be a guy that, like I said, they want him to do what the game asks to do. You know, if, if, if Chu gets on base, you know, <laughs> look for hit, hit and runs and butts. I mean, that's, that's the way Ron Watson wants to play, and he wants to set up Fielder, and he wants to set up Adrian Beltre. So uh, I, I think I think Anders can hit 300. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he still a ton of bases last year. So, mm-hmm. I, I, But he is what he is, I think, offensively. Yeah, I mean, you won't expect him to really be a power hitter. But in 2012, he had 31 uh, doubles and nine triples, which really helped him. Sure, sure, and, and he can do that. You know, he, yeah. he, he, he when you look at him, when you see him uh, uh, in the clubhouse, you know, with the shirt off, he, he's he's, a, he's <laughs> an athletic specimen. He's gotten so much bigger than he was when he was 19, and that was only that was only five years ago. So yeah, this is probably natural the growth that he's experienced. And the power could could still probably come. I mean, you know, guys hit their prime twenty seven. He, he's still some years from that. So, uh, but yeah, he, you're right. He's a guy that can find the gaps in his speed. He can take chances. You know, he, he can create his own doubles. You know, if, if you if we'll take that expression, involved in the gap, and he knows the outfielder has a crappy arm, and he's going to go after the, the, the extra base. Uh, last year, the Rangers uh, acquired Alex Rios from Chicago to fill the spot left by Nelson Cruz's PED suspension. The Rangers offered Cruz a qualifying offer, which he turned down before eventually signing a one-year, $8 million contract with Baltimore. The Rangers will receive Baltimore's second-round pick as compensation since Baltimore had already given up their first-round pick to sign Ubaldo Jimenez. Um, Rios will now get the chance to start and write over a full season. How much did the Rangers think they actually lost by letting Cruz go, and how much did those 47 games that Rios played in Texas uh, last year factor into that decision? It's it's really hard to compare Cruz and Rios. I mean, mm-hmm. Cruz definitely has the, the the power, but his defense was diminished. Even though he had the great arm, Rios meanwhile has terrific speed. He's, he's proven to be a pretty durable player, and uh, you know his, his arm strength is decent enough. I mean, he's he's going to be an upgrade defensively in right field as he was after the trade. And you know the the thing that I think a lot of people have uh, misconstrued about him is you know, there have been complaints that 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 people think he dogs it. And even Robin Ventura at one point thought he did last year. But when you look at that guy, he's six foot five. I mean, he's built like a, a guy who runs the 400 hurdles. I mean, he has such a long, long, gracious stride. That's really kind of, he's a pretty runner. And once he gets going, you know, there's a lot of speed there. And he still a ton of bases for the Rangers, you know, and they, I don't think they could have been more pleased with what he did after the trade. Uh, maybe a little more power than they would have liked to see. Sure. But he, he honestly was their best player of the final Final eight weeks offensively, and so I think uh, he, he's there's there's definitely a, a power deficiency. I mean, you know, Cruz when he got suspended, I think had 27 homers, yeah. and he missed the last 15 games. Well, Rios only had 18 homers last year, so there's a big difference there. But the Rangers weren't willing to 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 go after Cruz even at such a diminished rate. I don't know if they're still angry that he uh, didn't appeal his decision on the, the biogenesis case last year. He had told them that he was and. And late in the game, he changed his mind. So that's why they didn't go after uh, Rios more aggressively before the July 31st deadline. Um, whatever it was, Cruz isn't back, fan favorite. Uh, but but Rios can do some things that Cruz can't with his legs. And I think that uh, the, the Rangers are kind of counting on that to, to maybe help them uh, 
they make up for what they might have lost production wise from Cruz. And you know, and, and there's still a question about about Cruz. You know, okay, so he got caught using with, with the biogenesis stuff, but you know, had he done that previously? You know, is his power genuine? And I think that that maybe that was also a question the Rangers had. Over on the pitching side of things, you Darvish improved on an excellent rookie season by being one of the top few pitchers in baseball last year. He led the majors in strikeout rate as well as whiff rate, had six pitches that were all above average in whiff rate. His curveball got batters to swing and miss on 46% of the times they swung. Uh, he, he improved his walk rate compared to his rookie season, but that was still worse than average. Can he continue to improve his command, and just how good will he be if he gets that walk rate, even just to league average? You know, one thing he's worked on this spring is his fastball command, and that's one thing that the Rangers have have stressed since day one with him. And really, he's not a fastball pitcher. I mean, he 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 he, he mentioned how many pitches he has, and I think he really, if he if he could, he'd throw his thing slider 100 percent of the time. But <laughs> he knows better than that. But uh, he he also is, you know, he he's a smart guy. He he's not uh, he's not some dummy. He he really studies his craft, and I think that that he saw. That he can't throw as many pitches as he did last year, you know, and and the the word's going to get out, you know, every every team scouts him just to lay off the slider. He threw a lot of three two sliders, which I think is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. He had a lot of chases out of the zone on those, and and uh, you know that's something that I think scouts are gonna are gonna glom onto and realize mm-hmm. that that it can't happen. So I think he's realized that he, he's really a he, he's a really fascinating guy. Um, I think he's motivated by a lot of different things. I, I really believe, and so does the Japanese media, that the, the Tanaka signing has motivated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he he came over. He wanted to be the number one pitcher, not number one Japanese pitcher. And now that there's somebody else who's a taking the title of the, um, possibly the best Japanese pitcher, I think it's be motivated even more. Uh, I, I expect him to have a really good year. I expect him maybe not strike out 277 guys again, but to get quicker outs and work more efficiently. And if he does that. He really will be a, a, a guy who can contend for the Cy Young every year. Martin Perez showed some potential last year in 20 starts, managed a 3.62 ERA while walking just 7% of the batters he faced and allowing a 48% ground ball rate. Pretty solid. His control was better than it's been in the minors, but he was unable to strike out as many guys as Texas would hope. What kind of the pitcher do the, do the Rangers think Perez can be given a full, healthy season? You know, long term, I think they think he can be a number two. There's a lot of a lot of talk when he was coming up that he could be an ace, a number one guy. But I don't, I don't know if they see that anymore. I mean, it's not that there's a lack of velocity and that 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 changeup he shows is such a devastating pitcher can be. Um, but when he's work, he, when he's working down in the zone and he's aggressive, he gets a ton of ground balls either with his fastball or his or his changeup. He's, he's Trying to work on a couple different breaking pitches, he's trying to be a better pitcher, and he's so dedicated to the, the craft. I think that's something that maybe they weren't seeing necessarily when his results kind of kind of wavered there when he was a double A, triple A pitcher, and something clicked. You know, maybe it was uh, a little success there that first start he had in St. Louis, where he just attacked the zone and and let the the defense work behind him. I mean, he was so efficient in that game. I think he only threw like 80 pitches or seven innings. And uh, you know he ended up being the, the the team that ruined the Rangers' hopes two two years earlier. And at the time, they were probably the the hottest team in baseball. So, uh, and and really, he didn't cool down much. He had a great August, and he, I think he beat the Astros a couple times in there. But he also you know won a game that Chris Sale started, and he won a couple times against Felix Hernandez. So 
uh, they, they liked that he didn't back down and wasn't intimidated by the the, the atmospheres or, or who who the other guy was on the mound for the other team. And he showed some composure that they, he hadn't shown before. So you know they 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 really like him. Obviously, they've loved him for a long time when they got him out of Venezuela. And so you know. Hopefully he can avoid the sophomore bumps in the road that, that some pitchers encounter. But mm-hmm. he's a guy that they need to they absolutely are counting on right now with all the injury woes they have. Colby Lewis is in camp following hip surgery last August that ended his comeback from elbow surgery the year before. How good of a chance does he have of making the rotation? Do they need does he need some injuries to happen in order for uh, a good chance of that? Well, you know, there's there so many guys that, that are competing for mm-hmm. what I guess essentially are the last two starts to start the season because Matt Harrison's not going to be ready yeah. uh, for opening day and Derek Collins not going to be ready you know, until probably the All-Star break. So, you know, before, you know, the week before camp, things looked good for Colby, uh, you know, but then they signed Tommy Hansen to a major league split contract. Mm-hmm. They just signed Joe Saunders. So, you know, you got two guys in there. I don't know if you'd say Hansen's proven, but he's had some really good years in Atlanta. Saunders is a guy who's going to eat innings and knows, knows the West Division pretty well. So, uh, you know, you got to think those guys are the front runners, and, and it's nothing that Lewis hasn't done. And because he's, he's throwing the ball well, but a couple times he's gotten it here in spring training, even though the results didn't show him the first time, the Rangers still liked what he did. And he's, he's agile, he's moving around, and, and really he's a medical marvel if he can pull this thing off. But one thing that I think he has in his favor that I, I don't think anyone will admit to. This guy is beloved by the organization. He, yeah. He's their best postseason pitcher ever. Mm-hmm. He stepped up and, and won them some, some big games. He's a tough guy, and you know, he keeps his demeanor the same. Nothing rattled him. And I think that that, that that won't be lost when it comes to decision time. I think I think the, the heartstrings will be tugged if, if, if they have to ultimately decide to mm-hmm. send him to the minor leagues or tell him the, he needs to get an opportunity with another team. Um, and, and maybe that's ultimately what happens to him, but you know, he, he, he works so hard and he's such a tough guy. I think I think he's still got a, a, a little a, a chance to pitch at some point in the majors this year. Do you think he would hang around to the minors for a little bit and if he didn't have a chance to make the roster major league roster out of camp but would still have a chance if someone got injured later on? You know, maybe. I mean, he, he's loyal, too. I mean, you know, this is the second time he's, uh, he's signed a contract yeah. to stay at the Rangers. Now, last year was a major league deal, but, you know, he knows this organization and they know him and, and, um, I, I think he would, uh, it, there's a chance, but I also think that at his age, what he's been through health wise in his career, he's gone to Japan, you know, to resurrect his career. He's, 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 he's had a pretty interesting uh, go at it, but I think he's pretty content with what he's done and where he is in the game. So, you know, it, it could be a tough decision for him, but, but if he loves the Rangers and, and, and loves pitching as much as he does, he, he could, if, if, the, if the choice is to send him to AAA, go down there and, and, and see what he's got left. So the AOS should be a pretty interesting race this year. You have the A's, Angels, and Mariners, and Rangers all intent on making a playoff run. What do the Rangers need to do to stand out from the crowd and have a chance of winning the division crown? Well, for, foremost, they have to get something good out of the back end of the rotation while, while uh, Holland is out and, and while Harrison is out probably in the first couple weeks to a month. Alexio Gondo has to stay healthy. He can't go into the DL three more times. Um, so, so starting pitching is probably is with every team is the key. But also, I think the the Rangers really have some offensive question marks. Four th- or uh, five, five through nine, maybe six through nine in the, in the batting order with guys like Leonis Martin, who, who showed 
flashes last year, but he can't slump. Profar has to do something. they got to get something from Aaron Stevie and Soto. And then Mitch Moreland has to have a good year. That's four pretty, pretty significant yeah. if. You can't just rely on on, on uh, Chew Andrus, Fielder, and Beltre, or, or and Rios. It, it, it could be a long long year if, if those guys don't produce at the bottom and if the starting pitch is just terrible. I think the bullpen will be fine. They need to find a closer. They want Feliz to do it. Uh, maybe his velocity will, will, will come on strong here at the end of spring, and, and he'll be the guy. He wants the job, or at least he says he does. He just needs to show it. But they still have Soria, Tanner Shepherds as an option. So there, there's guys who can get out in the bullpen. I don't think that's going to be the problem. It's 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 the rotation, and then secondarily, the, the, those last few spots in the lineup. Do you think this team has improved this last year? You, you know, if if Holland and Harrison were were healthy, I would say yes. Yeah. Uh, you know the. They really, they really didn't have any punch at the plate last year, especially after Cruz went down. So fielder, fielder takes care of that, I think. Um, you know, if, 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 but there, there are just, there are just so many ifs in that lineup. But I think the lineup is better. I'll, I'll go on the record and say the lineup's better. I think the bullpen is, is fine. It's going to be one of the better ones in the league, no matter what they decide to closer. And uh, you know, it's, it's just Harrison, how he will, will do after the, the, the year he had last year and the trouble he's had. A little trouble he's had so far in the spring. If we got to stay healthy and what what Holland can give when he comes back. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jeff. It was great talking to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. All right, you too. That was Jeff Wilson of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. You can read Jeff at star-telegram.com/rangers or follow him on Twitter at Jeff Wilson underscore FWST. Tomorrow we'll move into the top 10 as I discuss the Atlanta Braves with Mark Bradley of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Okay, what is this? 4.03. Ready, Sam? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to episode 4.03. <laughs> so, not, so not when I said ready, Sam? Uh, not ready, Sam. <laughs> 4.03. Let's try again. Okay.